Welcome to Fashion Futurist Podcast. It's your host, Camila Sanders. And this season, we are discussing Africa. We're connecting with industry experts and individuals on the front lines to gain viable resources for your fashion journey. Together, we're working to take back fashion, shift power, shift economics, shift paradigms, and create a new sustainable ethical fashion system. Take a listen and let's accelerate fashion forward. So today we have a special guest, founder of Global Fashion Marketplace, Bukola. I'm so excited to have you on the show this season where we're, we are discussing Africa. Welcome to the show. Hey, Camilla. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to a, a really great conversation. Africa, really important topic when it comes to sustainability and the 2030 climate goals. Um, hopefully we can center yeah. Africa as a solution and they can be a leader for sustainability in the future. That's what my hope is anyway. Definitely down to a lot of planning and coordination, but it's more essential to get the ideas out and inspire people on what they can actually do and how they can make an impact. Exactly. I mean, once we dive into the subject, it's going to be great because the more that you learn about um, Africa and the countries within Africa and what's happening there and really even the history, like you start to see like, wow, you know, and that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start with a focus on Africa for the first season of this podcast. Um, But before we get into Um, the deeper conversation, I would love to know, where did you first start off in fashion and how did that take you to where you are now? Yeah, so um, I'm a London-based brand and business consultant. Um, I founded the Global Fashion Marketplace in 2016 and um, I wasn't really focused on sustainability at at that time. Um, I've got like 15 years experience in entrepreneurship and business development. So initially I was working a lot with startup businesses of any genre. And then I was um, working with some youth organizations. This was a long time ago, probably uh, 2007 or so. Um, to 2000. So um, I first touched on fashion there working with like young designers, connecting them with music artists and things like that in the UK. And um, that was when I first realised that fashion businesses or young designers don't have that business acumen that they need to kind of build a strong business. And a lot of people were just kind of creative and had a creative spark, but they didn't really understand business. So that's really what triggered working with young people in that area, really triggered my interest in fashion. But I went on to, to just be focusing on entrepreneurship in general. And then I turned my attention mainly to fashion entrepreneurs and fashion businesses. In 2016, I set up the Global Fashion Marketplace. And that was really to help businesses reach new markets, reach new customers on an international scale. But as um, I worked with the fashion businesses, the big elephant in the room for me was sustainability. And I felt that I couldn't really build, help people build these brands and they were doing such damage to the environment. And just there was just a lot of questions that I had about um, promoting and, and helping build brands that were just not 
considering people in the planet. So I kind of refocused the global fashion marketplace to work specifically with sustainable brands. So I went on a bit of a sustainability journey myself um, and learning about what it actually means to truly be sustainable and what I need to help um, businesses do if they can actually be sustainable. And that was a can of worms. Um, So I, I launched a sustainable fashion podcast to kind of help people really on that journey, even on a deeper level, like just understanding concepts and understanding principles and ideas behind sustainability. And the the podcast is now um, focused on innovation, the intersection between innovation, technology and um, sustainability. And we explore technology solutions for sustainable fashion and just different ways that businesses can actually be sustainable. And we look at some principles of sustainability and and ethics in fashion as well, and just um, provide conversations that um, give definitions um, and understanding to the topic of sustainability, which actually makes it easier when consulting businesses, if they've been listening to the podcast, following the podcast, then some of the things that I'm asking of their business or re- um, recommending that they should do, they have um, more of a deeper understanding of why why those things are important. So it's been a bit of a journey um, for, for me learning what needs to be communicated and how, and then just bridging that gap for businesses to understand why why it's important and why they should be doing that. I've recently written a book called 10 Crucial Steps to Getting Started with Sustainable Fashion. So that's a bit of a guide as well for the, the key important foundational things that um, people need to start thinking about when getting started with sustainable fashion. So they're the resources I've put together um, and that's the journey I've been on really. As someone in fashion that's very passionate about it and even a designer anywhere in fashion. And then you start to go down the rabbit hole of sustainable fashion and ethical fashion, right? And, you know, it's hard sometimes to transition from just being in the fashion industry to being in to sustainable and ethical fashion because there's so many different choices that you have to make. What would you say, and I know you have, you mentioned the book that you have, 10 Crucial Steps to Get Started. Um, what is maybe the first steps or one of the steps that, that people can take um, that are in the fashion industry to have a su- sustainable, ethical business? I think the customer is, um, for me, the priority and the most important thing. Um, without the customers, you don't really have a business. So I, I think understanding the customer's need and their desire for sustainable brands and not not greenwashing them. So that respect for the customer and giving them exactly what they need. There's a lot of people that are into sustainability now that are doing the research and are looking for sustainable brands, but they are getting confused. They don't know who to trust. They don't know what's going into the products. There's, there's not a lot of transparency um, in terms of, them fulfilling their desire to get a truly sustainable brand so I think where to start with sustainability for a business is definitely prioritizing the transparency and traceability and communicating a story or a message that a consumer can look into their brand and say actually this is this is a brand that's doing the right thing I can check these facts I can check this information and I trust that I'm buying products from someone that is doing the right thing by the people and the planet. So I think for me, 
um, putting the, the customer at the center of what they need at the center of your business development. It's like the overarching step to everything, really. I talked to a lot of designers and a lot of uh, sustainable ethical businesses. And that is so key, what you said about telling your story, because a lot of times um, people are or organizations are sustainable and they're ethical um, a lot more than some of the larger organizations, but they don't necessarily know how to communicate that story to their customer. Um, so that's great. I, I would recommend anyone to go read that book. Um, and I sh- I'm sure like we could dive into that and, <laughs> and have a whole episode about it. But one other thing that you had mentioned, you mentioned about really being passionate about entrepreneurship. And I would love to know like, what was your entrepreneurship journey or why do you think, um, and why do you think entrepreneurship is, is so important? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's this, um, saying or question or something at entrepreneur, entrepreneurs born or uh, entrepreneurs made. Um, I, I'm in the in the camp that would say entrepreneurs are definitely born, but they can be made with like obviously the guy the right guidance. So like, but I think there's an entrepreneurial spark within some people that just causes them to want to create something and make changes to and pro- solve problems. And um, my entrepreneurial journey started when I was about 19. Um, I started to, I I tried to start my first, it was a fashion related business actually in ethical, um, not ethical, ethnic jewelries and accessories. So it was um, with a friend of mine, we were were, um, setting up a a business to import different types of um, jewelries and accessories from Africa and Asia and stuff and sell them in um, London. And it was a, it was a real, um, learning curve. Um, that was my first business that I tried in terms of fashion and entrepreneurship. And, and I learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work when you're setting up a business. And that learning curve gave me a drive to say, okay, I do want to create something. I do want to share my vision of like my creative vision with the world and kind of provide products and services that I think, um, are meaningful to like specific audiences. And, um, yeah, so from there, I I kind of diverted a li- little bit to focus on brand development and um, my career in uni and stuff like that, do my, my degrees and things like that. But then um, once I graduated, I realized that I wanted to work for myself. So I set up my own um, design agency and I was just doing brand development and things like that. And it turned, it transitioned to being um business and brand development over time because um once once people want a logo or a website they don't have a business plan they don't have a a, a structure for how they're gonna kind of make a profit of the amount of money that they're spending on a website and things like that I just found that to be problematic so I decided to take it upon myself to like say oh well you need a business plan you need to have this you need to have that in place before you start building a website um designing a logo and stuff like that so um that was the journey really for me um just seeing those challenges that other people had developing the business and, and from an early age going through those challenges myself I just felt it was my duty to kind of guide people yeah. in terms of like don't do this 
do it that way. This is the quickest route. So that's how I um, got into consulting. You know, it's you said so many great things like, you know, you talked about how entrepreneurs, you know, solve problems and how they are creative. And there's so many um, artists or creatives that are entrepreneurs, right? And I think entrepreneurship is really a journey of, of self-discovery, but also, you know, figuring out like how to even do the entrepreneurship thing and make it something viable. And so just, I would love to ask you, like, how do you work with people to kind of bridge that gap between, hey, I have this great idea, but now I want it to be a business. Do you think that, you know, the way to bridge a gap is really people working together um, as far as like consulting or is there something that you do with your clients that that helps to kind of move people forward on that entrepreneurship journey? I think for me, um, I'm all about strategy and planning. So I think it's all it's all good to have like a good idea, but like you need to have a roadmap of like, how am I going to get from A to B? And I think that's what I'm really good at with um, my clients and things like that is just like, okay, this is where you are. This is where you want to be. How are you going to get there? And then planning and mapping out the steps in order to to get there. I think a strength of mine um, is definitely strategic planning, strategic thinking and making sure that people don't just stay in a creative realm, that they have like practical thoughts behind their creativity. So for example, some people like, oh, yeah, I want to use blockchain or I want to make an NFT and I want to do all this stuff with my creativity and like get my brand out there. And it's, it's all um, exciting, but like, why, what is the reason you want to use blockchain? How are you going to use it? How does this application function in regards to your business? Or if you mint an NFT, what are you going to do? What is the route behind that? Is it for fundraising purposes for your business? Is it for transparency so people know exactly what goes into product. Um, There's just so many different reasons why you would do something. So getting clarity on the decisions that you need to make and then choosing the right tools to to kind of action your your choices is what what I would say I I really try to focus on. That's great. I feel like we're so much alike. <laughs> and we talk we talk so much and we're in, in so many um virtual rooms together and yeah. I am totally a strategy um person and absolutely love working with creatives um and helping them kind of put more structure to what their vision is, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think you know a lot of people within the fashion industry are, and, you know, there's a lot of people that work for other people, but there, there are a lot of people that are, you know, launching things and wanting to launch their own brands. And, and I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast are founders and entrepreneurs, and they're also interested in sustainable and ethical fashion and kind of like, what can we do in the industry? I would love to ask you kind of getting more targeted back to, to fashion what are some of the biggest issues that you see facing the fashion industry right now? Yeah, so when I started looking into sustainability, for me, the biggest problem that I found that's contributing to the whole climate crisis is the waste issue. 
And the waste issue, there's just like a waste aspect to so many different parts of the supply chain and parts of the production process, even the end of life of products and stuff like that. I think if the fashion industry can tackle the waste that it produces, I think would be on a definitely on the right path to to solving some of the problems within the industry. I think there are so many problems. For me, the biggest issue is is the waste. And that's where circular fashion, circularity comes into it, building circular business models that actually from the design stage, waste is um, considered and designed out of that product. Um, Yeah, it's a whole process, isn't it? Like, it's a whole industry change and a whole industry shift. Um, at the moment, as you know, we have that linear process of take resources, make something and then waste or discard it. And that's really, really um, problematic. The fashion industry does that at such an alarming pace with fast fashion and just this disposable um, nature of these cheap, clo- these cheap clothing items. And um, yeah, I think we're onto something if we can solve that waste problem, then everything else is just the next step, isn't it? Yeah. So you touched on a few things, right? You talked about waste, which is, you know, kind of the end of life of a garment. And then you touched on circularity, which which kind of has to happen toward the beginning, right? Because you, you mentioned at the design phase, you have to start to think about circularity, right? Let's hone in on on Africa, right? And what is happening there? Because th- the first thing that I think of when I think of waste and fashion is I think of the issue where we consume so much, like the global North consumes so much of fashion and fast fashion. And then a lot of that clothing goes to the global South and different places in Africa, like Ghana and different markets there. And that's, that's just the picture that I have when I think of waste and I think of fashion, right? It's ingrained in my head. And so, and so maybe you can go into a little bit about that and then I'll probably ask you a question about circularity too. Yeah. So um, I think like if we look at the African context, um, there was some statistics that I did look at um, from the World Economic Forum. So the size of the the textiles industry in Africa is like one point three trillion dollar market, and um, there's like about three hundred million people globally that are in that value chain. And in Africa, it's estimated to be worth up to thirty one billion um, employing mainly women and young people. So it's a really, really vast industry um, that we're talking about. So if we're just looking at the African context and yeah, so there's, there's markets like the famous, I think it's, I think it's called Cantamanto market in Ghana in Accra. So that's like really the hub of where all the secondhand clothing goes to um, from the Western world. And Africa is really becoming like one of the world's dumping grounds. It's pollu- it's polluting um waterways, it's just polluting like the, the, the vast landfills, it's just full of clothing, is just polluting the, the whole environment um in, in Ghana and it's really, really, really huge concern. I think for me, the solution is circularity. I, I think um in in every challenge there's an opportunity and I think that's how 
entrepreneurs think about things. Africa's population is growing. So it's a, a youthful, young population. And um, it's going to be probably double um, by 2050 compared to what it is now. Um, so these are challenges um, that we need to think about when we think about the population growth in Africa, the youth of the population, and then how we are going to be managing as just as a continent, our own waste management and consumption challenges that are going to come up with such a large population, not to mention the world's consumption, overconsumption and then waste. So for me, looking at Africa in the sense of how they can lead in circularity, in recycling processes and things like that is really where the answer lies. So um, I think repairing, upgrading services and things like that, rental services are kind of available in Africa on a small scale. And this is kind of like independent people doing their own little small businesses. But if Africa can look at these kind of processes and kind of industrialise or scale them up to solve the problems of the amount of waste coming in, I think that's an opportunity there. Yeah, that's just really my thoughts, really initial thoughts on, the, on that question. You mentioned about the population growth in Africa and the youth in Africa, and you talked about NFTs a little bit, right? So, so I would love to kind of get your thoughts around technology and kind of the future of technology as it relates to fashion and Africa. Yeah, I think on the ground, there's some fundamental challenges that Africa needs to overcome before it can be fully immersed into the digital world. So constant electricity and things like that are a challenge to like actually being online, access to data and affordable um, data as well. I think these kind of challenges are going to kind of set Africa back in terms of being fully functional in the digital future when we talk about the metaverse and the, the processing power that's needed to kind of be on these applications and, and um, having access to oculuses and all these type of things and the electricity power, all this stuff. It's not as practical. So when I think about Africa in terms of technology, I see Africa leapfrogging what the West has done. A good example of this is the mobile phone. Um, Africa bypassed um, landlines and went straight to mobile phones. And then there was this idea that you can like send money using a phone. Um, I think it started in, um, I'm not sure which part of Africa it was, but the, I think they called, called it Pingit. And um, I was at an African African tech, fintech event in London. And they, there was a lot of banks there and, and different people. And they were, they were using Africa as a case study. This was back in, oh, I don't know, probably 2015, 2016 or something like that. It's around the time that I was um, launching the global fashion marketplace and looking at what, what I'm going to go go to next in terms of sustainable fashion business consulting and things like that. And everyone was just amazed that they're using these little mobile phones um, to send money to people, each of our like market traders and things like that. And it's it's something that they developed from their limitations and their ingenuity that worked in their environment to solve their problems. So, um, but then it served the rest of the world and now we've all got mobile banking and it's, it's a standard thing. But at the time that they were doing that, they, people didn't have mobile banking like that um, across the across the Western world. You had to log in on your computer and um, 
do your transactions and everything like that. So um, why I'm saying this is that innovation can come out of Africa and it can serve the world. If Africa doesn't look at the West for the solutions or try to copy and, and mimic what the West is doing, if they can kind of see that these resources are available, this is what's available in my environment, these are the problems that I need to solve in my environment. They can come up with a lot of, a lot of solutions that can say, um, serve the world. And um, that's why I use that ex- example of the amount of waste that is coming into Africa. Recycling facilities, processing facilities, things that kind of make a fortune out of someone's waste or it doesn't make make waste a resource. If, if they kind of, that as a priority, there's so many problems that can be solved, not only in fashion, but in just general waste management and things like that. And, and those things can lead the world to understand that they can have sustainable practices and this is how it's how it's done. I think the innovation needs to come from African people solving African problems in an African way. Yeah, that makes me think of, um, I believe the saying is that innovation comes from struggle. Like if life is, you know, somewhat easy and you already kind of have everything that you need, then there's no reason to innovate, right? But if you are, you know, you have a goal, you're, you're trying to accomplish something and there's not a solution for you, then you will innovate, right? And so I think that's such a, such a great point. When I was thinking of circularity and you mentioned that it really has to start from the design, but then I think about, um, you know, the, the overproduction is really uh, with these larger companies are focused on, they're focused on profit. They're not focused on sustainable or ethical practices. But when I think of sustainable and ethical, I think of some of, you know, I always hear people talk about indigenous practices or even practices right now that you'll find um, people from from different cultures using sustainable practices or ethical practices. And that's just what it's always been, right? We, we think about traditional fashion and really even like things that are luxury or making things by hand and um, even dyeing things with what you have, you know, I was, I was talking about that smaller, you know, local no designer yeah, um, or local person that is really using those traditional methods. Like, isn't that kind of the ultimate model in circularity or is it, is it not? What I think, I think it has to be like a two pronged approach. So in terms of heritage, kind of keeping the heritage practices is important because they are sustainable. And that's what we were doing for millennium, millennium, many years. Um, people have always worn clothes and they've, and they've not destroyed the planet as fast as they have in the past 100 years and probably the past 20 years or probably 30, I would say 20 years of fast fashion really has really been really devastating so that heritage piece is really important. Indigenous cultures have their own way of doing things and it's harmonious. And I think that's important. But when we look at the waste that is coming into Africa specifically, that's all secondhand clothing. And a lot of it is secondhand clothing that comes from fast fashion. It's so so low quality that people can't actually resell it. So what are we doing with the world's waste is for me, 
the, the circularity piece. If Africa can develop collecting, so like sorting services, kind of collect collect the, the the waste fabrics, sort them, and kind of recycling processes and um things like that on a more like a, a larger scale, not just um specific small groups of people, but just like a, a process, more industrialized process of, of um processing the waste, then they can actually export the new products that they create back out to the West. So that is entrepreneurship, isn't it? Like taking a problem and making a solution and making a profit out of that problem. It doesn't have to be polluting their environment. It doesn't have to be such a devastating situation it's because it's not being managed that's why it's so bad but it can actually bring a lot of profit to Africa if they find the circular solution to solve that waste issue so that's really my my point on circularity I think definitely natural processes natural dying processes and sustainable practices is what everybody should be doing to create products and creating products going forward. But what are we going to do with all the products that have already been created and that are still being pumped into the system and ending up as waste? That is that is a problem that we need to solve. So I don't think holding on to heritage and practices only is going to be a solution. I think that's like a given that that people should go back to the past and see how things were done and kind of emulate those things and and. and in Africa specifically, holding on to your indigenous heritage kind of cultural practices when it comes to creating clothing is more important, but there is that waste. And that's where I was saying innovation comes into it because that's where the African person, entrepreneur can innovate to solve a problem. And I did say also that there's a, a kind of access to information. Um, everyone, well, a lot of people have access to the internet now through phones and things like that so there is that connectivity of the world people see um streetwear they see other fashion brands and fashion styles that they want to kind of wear and they they see the european brands gucci and prada and and all those kind of things and they want to wear that too so it's kind of like managing the fact that the african person is not just a static person but they are an evolving culture as well. So how do they manage their heritage and culture and still participate in what is going on in the wider world? That is the question. And I think to kind of put people into a box to assume that they're only going to do things a specific way is very limiting. You need to kind of look broader at like what people's desires are for their own future or their own progression as well. But obviously cultural preservation is is so important to that journey. Does that Does that answer the question? It does. And I think that's such an interesting angle because when you talk about the waste from the global north going to the global south and you're like, well, you know, the global north needs to not consume as much. But that that's true, right? We have to take it from all different angles because even though even if we reduce overconsumption, there's still the problem of waste, right? And so what do you do with that? How do you solve the problems that are happening right now? And I love it that you you took it back to um, you know, entrepreneurship and there's money to be made by coming up with solutions, right? And so just looking at what's happening now, but what solution can we do right now for this particular area, right? Um, so, so I love, you know, that this, this is an approach that needs to happen from all different areas, right? And whatever way that 
as an individual, you feel like you can address it. Okay, you know, do that. Um, but there's definitely um, opportunities to be innovative, you know, right in front of you with what's what's going on. Thanks for listening to part one of our conversation with Bukola, where we discuss her entrepreneurship journey and the steps you can take for your sustainable ethical fashion business. Stay tuned for part two, where we explore technology and innovation as it pertains to Africa and how Africa can impact the UN SDGs. See you then. Thanks for listening to Fashion Futurist Podcast. Let's take back fashion together. Like, subscribe, and share as these small actions help to spread the word and make a collaborative impact. For more ways to get involved, join me, Camila Sanders, in the Fashion Futurist community by visiting fashionfuturist.io. Let's take action and accelerate fashion forward.